You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Philadelphia have temporarily lost the audio. It is not a conspiracy against Governor Carter or President Ford, and they will fix it as soon as possible. There is a very interesting presidential debate story, and that is the 28 minutes of the first debate between Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter, where there was no audio. The sound had cut out. Have a good director in George Bush. We have good executive orders, and the CIA and the DIA and NASA are now doing a good job under proper supervision. Governor Carter? Well, one of the very serious things that's happened in our government in recent years, and has continued uh, up until now, is a breakdown in the trust among our people and the... Now, it's a little crazy, because right as he's talking about a breakdown of trust between the government and the people, the sound goes out. And this leads to a lot of questions about whether this is some kind of conspiracy, and the moderator addresses it directly. It's not a conspiracy against Governor Carter or President Ford. It's kind of an interesting story. Now, a couple things to keep in mind. Jimmy Carter running against President Gerald Ford, but in many ways the usual incumbency was kind of reversed because Gerald Ford was an unelected president, And he was way down in the polls. He had pardoned Nixon. That was very unpopular with the American people. The entire Watergate scandal was still weighing heavily on the Ford administration. He hadn't achieved very much. And his image was kind of that of a... like a local businessman from the Midwest, you might say, who somehow ended up in the presidency. Ronald Reagan had run against him in the 76 primary and really bloodied him within the party. And the only thing that Ford really could do is then challenge Jimmy Carter, who was 20 points ahead of him in the polls, to a debate to try to upset the election and his chances. In doing so, by the way, he created the whole legacy of presidential debates. Because remember, 1960 was something of a novelty. It was 15 years that passed with no debates. So Ford had to do that. You might not see these presidential debates, or perhaps it would have happened later. Now, a couple things are going on. Jimmy Carter, even though he was in the lead in the polls, had had a series of gaffes. He does a disastrous interview in Playboy where he says he has lust in his heart. He also says that uh, he wouldn't lie and cheat like Nixon and Johnson. He equalizes those presidents. Well, he's a Democrat, and also he's running... And Texas is a swing state in 76. And so uh, saying something bad against Lyndon Johnson really came off bad. And he had to kind of walk it back and say that that statement misrepresented how he felt about Johnson. Uh, he didn't really he didn't really counter it enough. He didn't apologize exactly. So that was all hanging on him as he goes into the first debate. And they also learn on the day of the debate that there's going, um, that an interview in the New York Times 
magazine that he does with Norman Mailer references where Carter ends up using a curse word that uh, begins with an F. Let's just leave it at that. They don't print that in the New York Times. They simply print that Carter doesn't care if people say, and then there's a slash. The problem is, though, reporters are calling the New York Times to ask about the slash. What does it mean? And the New York Times is helpfully saying that it was that curse word beginning with an F. All of this is goofs and gaffes uh, from this candidate who had been leading in the polls, and then you're going into the first debate. And just like happens with many first debates, Carter really hadn't prepared as well as Gerald Ford. His statements kind of were confusing. Was to ask for a $4.7 billion increase in taxes on our people in the midst of the heaviest recession since uh, since the Great Depression of, 19, uh, of the 1940s. In uh, January of 1975, he asked for a tax change, a $5.6 billion increase on low- and middle-income private individuals, a $6.5 billion decrease on the corporations and the special interests. In uh, December of uh, 1975, he vetoed. It's not that Gerald Ford was like John Kennedy reincarnated either. I must remind him the Democrats have controlled the Congress for the last 22 years and they wrote all the tax bills. He was a very slow speaker. It was said that uh, for Gerald Ford would need an extra half hour to talk as much as Jimmy Carter talked. He was just a slow speaker. He had some facial expressions. He just came off dull, lanky, and I think it's one of the reasons that he wasn't reelected. you know, was this kind of image. But they do what they can. There's a night They negotiate a blue background, that looks good. Ford looks good in back of. Had it been a pale background, it wouldn't come off well for Ford. He wears a vest, and he's tall and proper. James Gannon, who's a Wall Street Journal journalist and one of the moderators, said that Ford looked like an imposing figure. He looked like he could pick up that podium and throw it at us. So, and contextually, one of the things he was doing was trying to make Carter the incumbent by talking about Congress, where Democrats did control it, and also trying to play a little bit of that Harry Truman game where you blame Congress. It's not a knockout punch, but Carter's coming off a little lackadaisical, and Ford is beating expectations, I think, in this debate. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. 
So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And then the audio goes out. This debate is now within about uh, eight minutes of its close. And in spite of the fact that this was under the auspices of the League of Women Voters, the pool audio from Philadelphia has been lost momentarily. We hope to have it back any minute. We don't know what's happened to it. And no one knows what to do. The moderator can't talk because he's supposed to be impartial, so he's not going to like review what happened in the debate. They kick it back to the anchors. They they do the best they can. Eventually, they're going to get uh, interviews outside. You know, first they think it's it's just going to be a few minutes, so they're not doing anything. I wish I could tell you more about it, but that's all I know. Then finally, they kick it to the remote reporters who have interviews. David, we don't know what's happened. Uh, we're as much surprised by what's going on as you are. Uh, they were talking and suddenly they quit. We all jumped up out here too. As you know, uh, this was a pool arrangement, uh, one network responsible, so all we're doing is standing by just the way you are. We expect uh, the debates to go on, of course, immediately that uh, audio is assumed. But what the problem is, how long it's going to take to fix it, whether the debate will have to be canceled or not, we just don't know. We're isolated in a corridor here, and the problem is even not in the theater. The problem is you... No, is in the technical trucks, undoubtedly, outside the auditorium. He was actually wrong. The problem indeed was in the theater, and uh, it was with a small capacitor, which had blown out. A capacitor is an electronic piece, going back to my high school electronics, that stores energy. But it had blown and then blew out the amplifier, meaning that when Carter and Ford are talking into those microphones, nothing's audible now. Uh, Microphones in themselves need to be amplified. Uh, and so nothing's nothing's being heard, and there was really no way around it, and no easy way. You got technicians, kind of uh, looking around and seeing what they can do without going onto the stage itself. And the next day in the nightly news, um, I believe it's David Brinkley that would hold up one of these capacitors and show America what had irritated 90 million people. He said for uh, 28 minutes, and of course the campaigns use it as an opportunity to spin. Well, that's very true, but uh, Jimmy Carter was not all that well-known, and uh, his positions on the issues were even less well-known, Doug, and that's uh, uh, that's one of the major reasons that we wanted this debate, was so that uh, Governor Carter would have to take some positions on the issues. And uh... That is a very young-looking Jim Baker for the Ford campaign, who would later, of course, go on to be Secretary of State and George H.W. Bush's right-hand man. Governor Carter has submitted himself to cross-examinations four and five times a day for the past 18 months. In those circumstances, uh, there's no way that you can shield yourself from uh, any old chosen word here or there. We think that in the long run, the American people would rather have a candidate than a president. And that's Jody Paul, Carter's press secretary. But the strangest thing that occurs is that Ford and Carter stay there at their podiums, barely moving, silent. They don't talk. They don't look at each other. Here's what Jimmy Carter said about it. I watched that tape afterward, and it was embarrassing to me that both President Ford and I stood there and looked like robots. Ford said, I suspect both of us would have liked to sit down, but both of us were very hesitant to make any gesture. Ed Newman, the moderator of the debate, 
does ask if either candidate wanted to sit down. Newman says that not only did Carter and Ford not agree to sit down, they didn't even acknowledge that he made the suggestion. Each one was so afraid, sound could come back, the cameras could come back on, and they'd be caught doing something goofy or looking weak compared to the other candidate, and they just didn't want to do that. And it just gives you uh, an idea, this moment frozen in time, about how presidential debates are and how much tension that there is and how little it is about being real and probably how little it is about being president, right? Because the human thing is like Carter would say later, he should have walked over to Ford and shook his hand and talked. I mean, that's what a normal human being would do. That's what a president would do, right? But debates put you in this artificial state where your body language and, and your style and perception on TV and image is everything and versus the content. But in any case, they get the sound fixed after the 28 minutes. And then they actually have Carter come back and he says literally one sentence. When Carter was making his response and had very nearly finished it, uh, he will conclude that response now, after which uh, President Ford and Governor Carter will make their closing statements. Governor? There has been too much government secrecy and not, a, not enough respect for the personal privacy of American citizens. At this point, completely out of context, and no one probably remembers what he was saying. And then they go to the closing statements and end the debate. Here's what Marshall McLuhan says. He's the, the medium and the message guy, right? He said, this moment, the 1976 first debate, Philadelphia Walnut Street Theater, is the rebellion of the medium against the message. Hello all, Eric Rivenus with the Most Notorious Podcast here. Each week I interview an author or historian about a historical true crime, tragedy, or disaster. Subject matter ranges from gunslingers to Gilded Age murder to gangsters to fires to pirates to wild prison breaks. My guests bring their incredible knowledge directly to you. Please subscribe to Most Notorious on your favorite podcast app. Cheers, and have a safe tomorrow. <laughs>